I'm Pastor Gerald Rico, and this message is a part of our online ministry here at River of Life in Menominee, Wisconsin. To find out more about us, please visit our website, riveroflife.co. Again, that is riveroflife.co. But for now, prepare your heart and enjoy this message. Merry Christmas. We are excited you are worshiping with us today. And this is the time where I get to test and find out who are the really serious Christmas followers here this morning. All right? Because in my estimation, today is the third most important day in the Christmas season. I mean, number two would be Christmas Eve, right? Because you're, it's the anticipation, it's the excitement. Number one, obviously, is Christmas Day. But, but why would today be the third most? Any, any idea why today would be the third most important day in the Christmas calendar? Boxing Day? That's a good reason, but we're not Canadians, so we, I'm sorry, I have to strike that. Uh, there might be Canadians here, I, I apologize. Or if you're online, I'm sorry. Uh, I, all the Christmas stuff's on. That is a, this is the best time to go and get Christmas cards. If you're a Christmas card person, that is a good reason. Any, any other reasons? That's not the answer. That, I was going to accept that as an acceptable answer, but any other reasons? Return day, they made you, oh, they <laughs> so, so children making you cry, that doesn't count, but that is a good, I, it was hard to follow them, right? Like, I, I felt very intimidated after that, but, and return day, that, that I was going to accept that as a good answer, too, that we can start packing up and, and getting ready to send our stuff back that we didn't want from Christmas. I'm really surprised. Okay, apparently none of you are really big Christmas fans because today is the day we get to start the countdown towards next Christmas. Only 364 days until next Christmas. Get it on your calendar. Start marking, marking it off. You know, l- let's get ready for next Christmas, right? Okay, okay, I'll give you a little bit of break. You can, you can have some breathing room. We won't start preparing just yet. But as we are... Finishing up our series, uh, we, we had the opportunity to kind of look through uh, this series, sermon series, as I was preparing it. And originally, like, I was supposed to be talking about hope back in November. But as we just started moving the calendar around, as God was doing some different things in our church, I, I felt like I should move the hope message to this Sunday. And so if you really love Christmas, you'll love it because we're doing one more Christmas message. So that's another reason to be excited for today. But we've been going through this series during this Christmas season, looking at the concept of the promises of God and kind of seeing how those promises have been fulfilled in Jesus. And then we've kind of been backing back a little bit to see some of these characters that we might be familiar with in the Christmas story, how they kind of embody and how they got an opportunity to see that come alive in their life, see that promise fulfilled in them and in their presence. And so today we're going to do that again. And the promise that I want to look at we find in Isaiah chapter 9 in verse 2. We read this about what would come. And we talked about this a little bit two days ago at Christmas Eve, but this light that was going to come, this was the promise. People who walk in darkness will see a great light. 
For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. This was a promise given to the people of Israel when there was a lot of terrible things going on. The Assyrians had wiped out the northern kingdom of Israel. And the people in Judea were in fear because the Babylonians were mounting. And so there was darkness, there was fear, there was dread. What is this going to mean for the people of Israel? What is this going to mean for the people of God? And in the middle of that confusion, in the middle of that fear, this promise was given that even though there are people who are in darkness, a light is going to come. There's going to be something that's going to redeem this situation. And so we recognize that as you keep reading in Isaiah chapter 9, this is talking about Jesus. This is talking about the light of his salvation that is about to be dawning on all of creation, on all of humanity. And the person who I think is one of the most amazing people in the story is this man named Simeon who had the dependence on the Holy Spirit. We just talked about this today, that we are people who we are dependent on the Holy Spirit. And he was someone who was also. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was listening to the Holy Spirit. And he was one of the first people to recognize, without a lot of fanfare, that this Jesus was the light. And so I want to read his story for us. Uh, you can find it in Luke chapter 2. Actually, why don't we stand for the reading of God's word? Again, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2 in verses 25 through 32. Luke 2, 25 through 32. And this is how it reads out of the New Living Translation. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms, praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Let me pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for your light. I thank you that today we have the opportunity to lift you up, to remember this gift of your Son. And I pray that as we look into your word today, that you would illuminate this truth to us. That there wouldn't be a single person who could leave this service without sensing the hope you have prepared for us. We love you so much, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for what you're doing in this Christmas season. Help us to continue that spirit forward throughout the rest of the year. 
And we pray these things in your powerful name. Amen. Well, before you see it, why don't you wave at a person or two, wish them a Merry Christmas. If you're online, let us know you're here. Wish us Merry Christmas. Again, you only got 364 days. Better, better get that shopping list together. Well, we, we are looking at this idea today of the promise of hope. And as I mentioned, Simeon was someone who saw this. He, he's someone who had an ability to recognize Christ without angels, without a whole lot of other things there. He just, he stepped in. And he saw God do amazing things. And he, and he recognized Jesus right there in the middle of all of that. And so um, I want to see a few things here that hope does for us. And the first thing that I can see from the life of Simeon is that hope fine-tunes our future. When we have hope, it helps us to be able to see our future in, in a more focused way. That so many times when we, we go through difficulties, it's hard to maybe put one foot in front of the other. But when, when you know where the future is, when you know where your next step is going to take you, you, you have more of an ability to see it to the end. When I run marathons, one of my favorite things is the mile markers. Because... You know, somewhere around mile eight or nine, my legs start to hurt, and, and, I, and I start to get fatigued. But as I'm looking forward to that next mile marker, I know, okay, there's a finish line that's coming. Here, in this story, Simeon had his eye on the finish line, and it, and it gave him ability to walk through what he was going through. In verse 26, we read that the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, unfortunately, I think this verse has been used for us to miscategorize Simeon. I don't know if you've seen biblical representations like pictures or drawings or, or whatever of Simeon. If you have, more than likely, he's this really old guy with this really old beard. I mean, for, for the longest time, I just assumed he was a priest because he was in the temple, but we don't even have that. It just says he was some random guy, which honestly makes this more of a Christmas miracle because how many of you, you have a newborn child and some random stranger walks up to you in church and says, by the way, I'm taking your son. Like, like, like your third child, yeah, you're like, okay, please, you know, you, know, you can take him back to the nursery, whatever. But I mean, if this is your first child, and, and mind you, they knew this was the son of God. And they just hand him off to this stranger. But we don't really know much about him. We know that he was a devout person, that he was earnestly waiting, and that God told him that he would see the Messiah before he died. And so that little phrase right there makes us think he was really old. There's actually some commentators or some, some biblical history out there that claims he was 200 years old. Like, I don't know how easy it is to um, hold on to that. I mean, we know in the Bible, sometimes some people did live longer. The, 
The story is that he was a part of the Septuagint that translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek. And so he was a part of translating Isaiah into Greek and got to see these promises fulfilled. I don't know. The truth is, he could have been really young. I mean, he could have gotten this promise when he was 15, and now he's 25. I mean, what, what's weird is saying, now I can die in peace. But, but, but maybe, if we want to, since, since we're making stuff up and we're, we're trying to fill in blanks, maybe he was young. And maybe he was going through something really difficult. Maybe he had some disease. Maybe he had something that caused him to have pain every day of his life. And that's why he was able to say, now I can die in peace. We don't really know. All we know is whatever he was going through, however long he had lived, whatever his difficulties were, hope had fine-tuned his future. He knew there would be a day where with his physical hands, with his physical eyes, he would come in contact with the Messiah. And that hope gave him an ability to see things other people didn't see. And that, that's the next thing that I want us to recognize. Not only does it give us an ability to fine-tune our future, it also gives us the ability to prescribe our present. That, that when we have hope, when, when we can see where we're headed, it gives us an ability to walk through this day differently. Like, we, we read this in verses 27 and 28. It says, That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. Because he had hope in the future, he was allowing the Holy Spirit to lead him and guide him day by day, and that's why he was even there. I mean, think about Jerusalem was probably a pretty populous city. I mean, maybe nothing like New York, but you know, at least the size of Menominee may be bigger. And of all of the people who were there, all of the people who were probably praying, all of the people who were probably hoping to see the Messiah someday, it was Simeon, who, because he had anchored himself in this promise, was able to walk in and, and sense the Holy Spirit say, today is the day to go to the temple. And so when Mary and Joseph showed up, he was there because he was allowing his future hope to prescribe his present day activity. He was saying, because I have this future hope, whenever the Holy Spirit prompts me, I'm going to listen. I'm going to move. I'm going to step out. And, and so you see him doing that. And then, because of that, he got to pronounce this amazing truth over Jesus. I, I, I love it so much, I want to reread what he, what he spoke over Jesus. He said, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations. He is the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon was able to pull back from Isaiah this 
promised that a light would come to shine in the darkness. And he was able to proclaim it over this child who was only days old. He, he because he was in the right spirit, that he was allowing hope to drive him, he was able to see Jesus in a whole different light. My prayer for you today is that the hope in you allows you to be more in tune with the Spirit, allows you to see Jesus in deeper and more vivid ways every day. That, that it's not just something we look at at Christmas, but that it's something that captures our heart, it captures our attention. That, that we are people who allow His light to shine in us, that we allow His light to shine through us, and that we take this hope wherever we go. But the other important thing that we need to see from this story, because when we talk about hope, hope can feel like wishful thinking. Hope can feel like, well, I, I hope it turns out okay. But that's not the kind of hope we need to be offering people. I don't know if you've picked up a newspaper lately. Do they even still make newspapers? Or, or, or if you've, you've, you've scrolled on your phone or, or whatever, there's a lot of hopelessness. There's a lot of people going through hard times, and if all we can hand them is wishful thinking, we're not much better than anybody else in this world. But if we can hand them something that gives them strength over what they're going through, that's real hope. And so the last thing that I really want to look at this morning is that hope dissolves our desperation. This promise of a light was given to a people who were desperate. This promise of a light was given to a people who were in darkness. And Simeon saw it and he recognized it. And he said, this, this is the light. This is going to be the one that's going to show the world just how good God is. But he doesn't end there. After he blesses Jesus, he prays a very strange prayer over Mary and Joseph. We, if we keep reading in the story in verses 34 and 35, we read this, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Who was up for some encouragement this morning, right? <laughs> you know, here, here he is holding the child, and he looks at Mary and says, lots of people are going to oppose your son, and your own soul will be pierced. Here's what we know. Life is hard. We're going to walk through difficulties. There's going to be things that are going to happen that are going to hurt a lot. If, there, if there's something about the Christmas season that is a paradox, is that it is the most wonderful time of the year, but it also is the time where so much of our desperation and our longing come face to face with that beauty. That it's during this time that we see the best of life and, and the worst of life. It's, in the, it's no other time of year like this where we get surrounded by 
the problems that we can't solve, by the people we can't control, by the circumstances and expectations that we can't meet. And it doesn't seem to matter sometimes how much we pray or how much we hope or how much we put our faith in things. Some things just don't ever seem to change. Having this hope doesn't necessarily mean you won't have to pay the rent come January 1st. Having this hope doesn't mean that your car won't break down sometime next year. Having this hope doesn't mean your family members are always going to get along. But that's why we don't just have a hope about something. We have a hope in someone. Jesus was being spoken over here, and Simeon told Mary, these things are going to happen, but there's still hope in this child. Even though it's going to pierce your soul, you still take refuge in what he has come to accomplish. And I think all of us need to have that perspective today. That that we are people who say, I know I'm going to go through some stuff, but my hope is not that this is going to work out the way I want it to. My hope is in him. My hope is in the fact that he is coming again. I mean, that, that is what all of Advent is about. It's about remembering that there were people for thousands of years who were preparing for him to come, who were waiting for the Messiah, and that now we as the people of God have the opportunity to wait for his return. And so we're waiting and we're hoping, and and we're not just hoping that everything's going to work out here. We have a hope in him because he's already promised that he's overcome the world. And so that's where we place our hope. That's where we put everything we have. So it doesn't matter how crazy your celebrations were this Christmas or how crazy they're going to be because maybe some of you are still on your way to some of those crazy relatives. I don't know. Or maybe, maybe if you're online, you're already with some of those crazy relatives. Don't turn this up too loud if that's the case. But, but, but here's, the, here's the truth. Our hope is not that those things are going to work perfectly. Our hope is in him. To me, one of the most beautiful parts of Luke chapters 1 and 2 is this little phrase that's kind of tucked away. It's my favorite thing in all of the Bible that is spoken about Mary. It says in in verse 19, Mary kept all of these things in her heart and thought about them often. Do you realize that we wouldn't even have Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2? if she hadn't done that? The reason we have these stories, I believe, is because Luke actually interviewed Mary. There's evidence of her sharing her thoughts. There's evidence of her sharing her encounters. You you can't just get that from general revelation. Luke sat down with Mary. Lots of Bible scholars believe that, that Luke actually sat down with her asked her about what had happened, found out about the shepherds, found out about her cousin Elizabeth, found out about this encounter with Simeon, and wrote it down. Because Mary took time, and she pondered these things in her heart. And we are getting ready to end this Christmas season. But I hope it doesn't end the hope in you. I hope that you recognize hope is still here. 
Hope is still in us. Hope is still something that we get to carry with us if we will allow our faith to be in Him and what He can do and not worry about whether all the circumstances work out the way we want them to. Last night we had finished a devotional that we've been going through uh, for the Advent season. And it was really great, but the last two paragraphs were powerful. And I, I felt like, man, this so fits in what I was trying to say this morning. So this is Ann Voskamp. And this is what she says at the end of her Christmas devotional. She says, The angels will return home. The shepherds will go to tell the world the good gospel news. And soon, even the star on top of the tree will be too put packed away. But we will be like Mary, who does not leave, but long keeps all of these things in her heart. Pretty soon, actually maybe sometime this afternoon, all of these decorations that you see here are going to be swept into boxes. This beautiful manger, thank you again, our family for that, but this is gonna this is gonna disappear. The Christmas lights are gonna come off around town. But are we gonna continue to carry this hope? Are we gonna continue to ponder what God has done? Because this is what's gonna get us through. I mean, Jesus, this story about Jesus, it is a story about an expectant mother. It's a story about an expectant. Messiah. It's a story about expectation. But I don't know how many of you have been around a pregnant woman, especially if it's their first child. They don't just sit around and do nothing, right? Like, there, there, there's walls that got to be painted. There's cribs that have to be put together. There are all of these different accessories that have to be purchased. There's the latest safety equipment to be researched. There, I mean, we, there, there's, just, there's a whole monsoon of things that come at us when we're expecting. You don't just sit there, I mean, at least I don't know of a lot of pregnant women that just sit there and go, okay, get this thing out of me. I mean, eventually toward the end they do, <laughs> but, but, but it's like the whole time they're, they're, they're waiting, they're anticipating, they're excited. And I think that's what we need to do too. We have this hope. And if you don't want to just sit back and be miserable with the rest of the world saying, okay, let's just get this thing over. Come on, Jesus, I'm so done with this. Let's just go. Why can't you come and get your church, please? If you don't want that mentality, we have to be like Mary. We have to ponder. We have to consider. And then we have to do something. Advent is about waiting. Advent is about expectation. But it's also about preparing our hearts, preparing our lives and so if I can give you one piece of advice over this whole Christmas season that you can take with you, it's this. Don't waste your wait. Don't just sit back. Be active. Be a part of seeing things come together for the kingdom of God. Look for ways to give out this hope. Yes, you're going to go through hard times, but the things that's going to make it more bearable is that you're actually doing something to give this hope away to other people. That even in the midst of your pain, even in the midst of all the uncomfortableness that you are in, if you can find some way of channeling that into the purposes of God, 
you're going to see amazing things and you get to be a part of the story. You get to be a part of this Christmas story that's been told for 2,000 years. You get ushered in. When we look at the teachings of Christ, they are filled with Him telling us to be ready, to be prepared, to don't just sit back and be foolish and to hide our talents, not to stop looking for Him, but to be those expectant people who are waiting that, that we aren't foolish servants who just sit back because it seems like it's been so long, but that we actually go out. And the rest of the New Testament is filled with writers who are encouraging us. Go and do something with your faith. Jesus is coming back. Hold on to that hope and do something with it. I really like what Paul told the Roman church in Romans chapter 8. He encouraged them. He, he told them that this suffering that we're going through, it's not worthy to be compared to the glory that's about to be revealed. He's talking about hope. That, that we hope in Christ, and so whatever we're going through is not worthy of being compared with what God's doing. And he said that all of creation is longing to see the children of God revealed. As we go through this, we are showing the world that we are the children of God. And that creation eagerly hopes in the day when all of this pain and all of this turmoil is taken away. That is what our hope can do. It can give us the ability to reveal to the people around us who Jesus really is and to help them see the goodness of God displayed through our lives. It can alleviate a little bit of that death and decay that permeates our world. It can help bring people peace and joy and love. That's how powerful hope is. And I pray that it doesn't end as we take down the decorations, that it's something that we carry forward. So, don't waste your weight. Find ways to get actively plugged into what God's doing. A very simple thing to do. Um, I, guess I should have asked her first, but Mark here, we're, we're using this entire room for the lock-in, right? So a very simple thing that you could do is after the altar time's done, we need all of these chairs picked up. As we're waiting for God, I mean, all these chairs need to be stacked and, and put to a, a corner. And so there, there's your simple waiting list thing. Not, not that you have to do it. I'm not, I don't want to compel you to. But if you can't do this, find something. Find something this year. I'm talking about not in the next five days. Although you could do it in the next five days too. But as we go into 2022, find ways to wait that produce revelation. Find ways to allow the things you're going through to show the world how good God is and that we would see his fullness. We would see all of his glory revealed through our lives and that the people around us would see a great light, that those in darkness would recognize a light has been given. Amen? Let me pray for us and then we're going to have the worship team come up and lead us in one more song. And if you need prayer for anything, we're going to have some prayer team members in different corners here. So please don't leave without solidifying the hope that we're offering. So I'm going to invite the prayer 
teams to come up. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I'm going to pray a blessing over us. And also, if you're here, if you're online, and you haven't received Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to receive that hope. Matter of fact, why don't we pray for that end right now? If you, if you know Christ, be praying for people who might be here in this room or who might be joining us online who don't know Christ. And if you don't, I want to encourage you right now, you can make that decision to trust in what Jesus has done. That this same Jesus who died, who, who was born, also died. He died on the cross for our sins, and he was rose again by the power of God. And so if that's you, if you recognize you need Jesus, I want to encourage you to pray a simple prayer. You can use my words or you can use your own. You can pray this out loud or you can pray this in the quietness of your heart, but pray something like this. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you came during Christmas. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. Today, I trust in you. I'm sorry for my sin, for my mistakes. I'm sorry for leading a life that was contrary to what you wanted. I turn away from my old life now and I turn to follow you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Guide my life. Help me to follow Jesus more closely. God, I thank you for this new life. From this day forward, you have all of mine. As I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please come find one of our prayer partners or, or click the links that are coming up online and, and get connected with what God's doing here at the river. We want to make sure you get the resources that you need. But as we sing this last song, I want to encourage you, don't waste your weight. Ask God what he wants you to do. Ask God how he wants you to get involved. If you need prayer for anything, come find one of these prayer partners. Let them pray with you. Let them believe with you that God will speak into your situation. And let's go out of here with hope. So I'm going to bless us, and then you respond as you need to. But why don't we stand as we sing this last song? Jesus, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your hope. I thank you for Christmas. And as we anticipate your arrival, I pray that you would bless us and you would keep us. That you would be gracious toward us and smile upon us. And that every day we would walk in your favor and in your peace as we pray these things in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.